show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about the healthcare of tomorrow. Here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Best Buy's Geek Squad taking his talents into the home to connect remote patient monitoring devices with hospitals. What might happen as retailers roll out new ways to bring customer service to the homes of patients? I'll talk about that. Then we speak with Dr. Daniel Guerra, Chief Medical Information Officer at ChenMed. Daniel describes how technology supports ChenMed's vision for transformative care, and he gives us a behind-the-scenes look at Intune Health, a tech-forward value-based care model that focuses on helping older adults who are on the go stay healthy. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Could the Geek Squad be coming to a hospital near you? According to Gabriel Perna, Modern Healthcare's deputy editor for digital health and technology, Best Buy's Geek Squad is taking its talents into the home to connect remote patient monitoring devices with hospitals. The retailer has reportedly announced that they've struck partnerships with NYU Langone Health, Mount Sinai Health, and Geisinger Health. Geisinger's launching a Geek Squad pilot service where they'll help set up the equipment and educate consumers on it. This follows Best Buy's recent announcement that they're beginning to sell over-the-counter hearing devices. And it makes sense given their focus on being a tech-first consumer health partner. I'm quoting again from Gabriel's article. Best Buy Health's chief operating officer, Shamu Langat, said the company knows what it's good at and hasn't shied away from its roots. We're not a healthcare provider, she said. We are the plumbing that connects this ecosystem of care. It's not necessarily the sexiest part of healthcare, but one of the most fundamental gaps that we have today. Unquote. There's a lot to like about this development. First, finding a way to help consumers navigate an unfamiliar part of their healthcare experience. Healthcare isn't always about algorithms or spreadsheets. It's about one-on-one, human-to-human contact. Did the humans who are providing the care find ways to make the experience easier? There's a lot to be said about putting Best Buy's consumer helpfulness vibes to work. Second, partnerships with hospitals. Now, mind you, if a hospital administrator today pitched the idea of training its own customer service team and rolling out a fleet, I don't know if that idea would get much traction. But partnering with the Geek Squad to offer that same service seems pretty low risk. Plus, not having had personal experience trying to set up remote patient monitoring equipment, but hearing about it from friends, it doesn't sound that easy. And setup is pretty integral for hospital at home initiatives to work. Last I checked, most hospitals aren't too keen on spinning up their own team or training customer care reps to enter patients' homes. And now they don't have to. Third, offering the service despite uncertainty about reimbursement. CMS recently proposed a 12% cut in reimbursement rates for remote patient monitoring CPT codes, and other home-based reimbursement is tied to emergency waivers that'll eventually expire. But this hasn't stopped this service from rolling out. Each of Best Buy's moves has seemed to come in contrast with the brazen speed of Amazon and the scale and ambition of CVS and Walmart. And maybe that's why I like it. 
As I've said previously, I like the thought of retail specialization. Going deep in niche areas could be a viable counter strategy. Let's watch what happens as retailers roll out new ways to bring customer service to the homes of patients. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. Let's get into the flow, everybody. Let's give it up for Dr. Daniel Guerra. He's the Chief Medical Information Officer at ChenMed. For more about ChenMed and their disruptive approach to primary care, I want to point you to a couple of episodes. One is our interview with Dr. Gordon Chen, their co-founder. It's episode 232. As well as Dr. Fassel Syed. He's their National Director of Primary Care, which is episode 214. And with that, we want to welcome you, Dr. Guerra, to the Healthcare Wrap. How are you? Good, Jared. Thank you for having me on. And it's great to be on the show and great to be the third person on from ChenMed met here. Yeah, we're excited to just kind of round out the perspective of all the exciting things you guys have going on with ChenMed. And I, I do want to say I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to fill in your bio. So what did I miss there? What else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? To fill in my bio, first and foremost, I'm a doctor first. Um, went through medical school, went through residency, even went through fellowship, but never expected to end up on the IT side. It's an opportunity I found early on in my life and took advantage of it. And here I am now. I think this is this is such an interesting path, and I know it's going to come into play as we talk about some of the pieces and parts of what makes GenMed what it is today, because it's there's a tech forward or tech enabled piece of it that, quite frankly, the care couldn't be the same without the tech, and and we'll get into that here as we do a lot of times. Though I'd love to just kind of this helps us get to know you a little bit better. One question, which is somebody that you look up to, can you think of somebody, this could be personally or professionally, is there somebody that, though, that you look up to generally, and, and tell us why? So, similar to Gordon, my idol and the person I look up to is is my father, for different reasons than Gordon. My father came from Cuba when he was 14, and he came alone without family, and never had the opportunities. And he made it a mission in his life to make sure I had the opportunities that he never had and for me to capitalize on that. So he's worked his whole life to prepare me and to give me the opportunities that he never had. That is such an awesome story. And I know it's a, a part of who you are. And that's something that, that people don't forget, is it? Like, that's something that stays with you. Yeah, I always say if, if I could be, it, it's, it sounds funny saying it, but it's the truth. If I could be half the father my father was, I'll be successful in life. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. And with that, if you can just give us a layperson's description, you know, you're you're at a, you know, I don't know, a dinner party or a you know, family event and people are like, okay, wait, what is it that you do? Or what is Chen Med? How do you describe that to people? And then how do you describe your role as the CMIO? So it's actually a common question I get because Chen Med does things differently. So what is Chen Med? I, I say that we're accountable for the total care of it, the patient. We are responsible for the outpatient visits, the hospital visits, the medication. So it really makes the doctor be the quarterback of care compared to the fee-for-service environment that there's a lot of fragmentation in, in healthcare. My role within ChenMed, the, the CMIO, I guess the best way to explain it is we always had an IT shop and the IT shop always made products that they thought doctors wanted. 
they always they, they, it's what they doctors wanted product A. It's not really what doctors needed. So ChenMed did something different. They invested in putting a clinical leader within the IT shop and then help embed the best clinical workflow within their products. So what I tell my doctors is that I push IT as much as possible to make sure that the EMR is a tool and not a barrier for them. I love that. See, I've heard this described from others at, at times that technology, if it's working right, it should kind of be invisible. It's not like the thing that you point people to. And it's kind of a different approach to standing up a new platform or all the functions of IT that have to happen to make sure the care is working. A lot of times it does go unnoticed. And sometimes that that is on purpose. And <laughs> you know, sometimes it's because yeah, people just don't recognize or understand the value of it. But it's such an essential role. So I'm curious in, in particular, like how that has changed for you as ChenMet has grown. Like how do you support their vision? You know, I know it's referred to as transformative care, which I've really latched on to myself and especially our listeners have really started using that term. So with your role, how do you support that vision as the company keeps growing? I think it all starts with um, technology. And historically, the EMR has had three main purposes. It's used to communicate between doctors or care teams. It's used to bill or aka document to make sure we have real long notes. And it's used as a source of truth for any legal discussions. But if, if you notice the main part I left out, it doesn't do anything for patient outcomes. So within ChenMed, since, since we're not in the fee-for-service environment and we're in the value-based care environment, we get to build an EMR that is just used for patient outcomes. So... Our main purpose is not communication between doctors. It's not billing and doc and and adding documentation. Our main purpose within our EMR is to embed clinical workflow that drive better outcomes for our patients. Are there any examples that come to mind of how you are using any of these platforms or systems to improve care? So I'll, I'll give you one like one example, right? And and again, this is all to drive better outcomes for our patients. You have two options to give them medications. We can either prescribe it within our centers and dispense it ourselves, which increases medication compliance, um, increases the data flow on, on our side. And if our patients have any financial social determinants of health, we're able to give them a financial assistance waiver so that they don't have to have the co-pays or have any other SDOH affect them getting like the like medications. So within our EHR, we build an e-prescribe system that with one click, you're able to prescribe internally with a 90-day supply, which increases medication adherence, which is the nudge that we want to give our doctors. If you want to prescribe externally, we still let you do that, but it takes three extra steps. I say it's easy to do the right thing, hard to do the wrong thing. I like that. I like that. And being able to have something tangible to say, like, yeah, the process reflects that that standpoint and that perspective. And doctors and, and doctors always want to do the right thing for the patients. They just don't want to go through all the red tape and stuff like that. So if you make it easier for them, none of them really push back on you. That's really refreshing. The way that we have it and in the informatics org, I have a PCP from each market and they give us their opinion. I say it's an EMR by PCPs for PCPs. If I don't know what my docs in the front lines are doing, then I can't give them the best product. Yeah, exactly. Well, that feedback loop has got to be really important and really key to creating the systems that they actually want to use. So tell me a little bit about Intune Health. I want to dive into this a little bit. I've heard it described as 
a tech-forward, value-based care model that focuses on helping older adults who are on the go to stay healthy. So tell us about that and how does it work? Yeah, so Intune Health, it's something that spun off during COVID when we saw the silver lining of COVID was the adoption of seniors with uh, telehealth. We converted our practice and we're a high-touch practice in ChenMed from 100% in-person to 99% virtual in seven days. And, and our patients adopted it. ChenMed's big enough that we want to make sure that if someone's going to disrupt us, it's going to be internally. So we, we want to disrupt ourselves. So we went out and we launched Intune Health. And Intune Health, really what it is, is it's a virtual appointments, it's in-office visits, and it's all through a convenient app. So it's healthcare at your terms, as long as it doesn't compromise your medical outcomes. So dig into that with me for a little bit. What tech did you have to build to support that? So we did our own Intune Health app. We did our own Intune Health app that has the platform within that platform, right? Where we're able to do on-demand specialist consults. We're able to visit with you at the house and then telehealth with the doctor in there. So it's not really brand new technology. It's all technology that we've used within our centers. It's just how we're delivering care and using that um, technology. So I imagine there's some reason that, that part of the description here is for older adults who are on the go. Is there something to that? Like, is, is there some particular reason or, or do they have different health and wellness habits that you're trying to target? Is, is there a reason for that? The on-demand is within the app. We're going after the demographic that adopts technology, that has the smart watches, that has the Fitbits, and get the wearables in order to get data in order to drive better outcomes. Gotcha, gotcha. And then the part you mentioned where you said, if someone's going to disrupt us, we want to disrupt from within. I just love that. (laughs) The thought of that can only happen, in my opinion, if you are prepared on the tech and, and health informatics side to be able to create platforms and design experiences that make that possible, right? There's the disruption you know, on the, the business model and strategy side, that's like, here's the direction we're going to go. But then you have to make it happen. And I can only imagine that that is something that you have to be a lot more flexible and agile in your processes to build something than maybe a traditional healthcare practice or, or health system might be. Is that fair to say that that's only possible if you're prepared with your tech and, and health informatics? Yeah, and the expectations that the patients have on technology is changing as well. And that's just outside of healthcare as well. They have the ability to transfer money. I, I just met you. I could transfer you money within 30 seconds. <laughs> right. Healthcare is not, it's not, it's not like that. Right. So their expectations is changing and we're building for those patients expectations. That's amazing. And it's so true. You know, what's interesting is how often I start to hear this about comparing any type of healthcare experience to a financial experience, which, you know, pre-COVID even, we really didn't hear that much. And I, I hear it so frequently now. It's it's true. We're comparing it to other parts of our lives. And I think that there's something to say about that. That kind of comes back to when the doctor is meeting with the patient and they want to introduce something new, like whether it is Intune Health, you know, whether it's the app or whether it's some other part of a digitally enabled experience that's making this new type of care possible. It can be easy to just say, hey, I'm sure people are going to want to adopt this because we know we made it easier. But in marketing terms, you know, I refer to that as the value proposition for the consumer. You know, like what is the appeal to them and how do we convey that to them? Have you run into any challenges 
conveying the the value of something like Intune Health's app? How do you even convey that value to to a patient? We have, and healthcare should be delivered in in an omnichannel model, right? Um, patients should always be able to to reach out to the doctors that receive care whenever like they need. A shift to the home will be game changer. The reason it's hard to to give the value prop to the patients, it's because it's something that the patients have never experienced before, right? So in order to understand that value prop, it's something that they have to experience. Getting in-home care is not something that you're used to getting from from a doctor. It's VIP concierge. It's something that they don't think that they could afford, but we're doing it for everyday people. That's a, a really interesting point. The fact of if people are not used to it, you're gonna, you have to be the one to explain it. So when virtual visits or telehealth visits, I mean, how long have they been around? I mean, for so long. And yet it only matters when that particular patient is having their first virtual visit. Somebody has to explain it to them. No matter how long something's been available in the market and, and from other providers or whatever, it just comes down to that moment of how it's explained to them. And I can imagine like at scale that there's a challenge in there, but there's also the opportunity there. That's how it always works. You know, there's the opportunity to show them that you are working to make this process easier. I mean, we talk about that a lot on this show, just how so many small steps really do help move healthcare forward by making something easier. And there's not necessarily one size fits all for that. But that's how we have to do it. That's how we have to convey it to a patient and let them know that, yeah, we just did this. It's fewer steps. It's right here. It's on your phone or you know, whatever it is. The patients are demanding convenience these days in every aspect of their life. If we don't do it first with healthcare, then we'll lose out. I so agree. I so agree. And it is something that the more we get into that mindset and understand where a patient's coming from, you know, that's where this innovation tends to happen. I'm curious if there are other challenges, if we just kind of broaden that out in general to value-based care itself. Especially, like I said, from your from your viewpoint, because again, this has to do with somebody on the strategy or business side came up with the model, and now here we are on the tech side. That that's a tech forward vision. So we have to have things in place. We have to understand the vision and understand the process, and then be able to execute on that. There's a lot to that. You know, I don't ever want to minimize or underestimate how much effort it takes to have a tech department or team or vision to actually carry out value-based care in a way where it works. What are some of those challenges that are facing value-based care from the tech side? The problem with IT within value-based care is that the majority of the healthcare system is still delivered via fee-for-service environment. So you still have fragmentation and you still have people who are incentivized to not coordinate care. You have these doctors that get incentivized by procedures by doing x y and z even if it doesn't even if it's not the best thing for uh, the patient so bringing a technology that's going to coordinate and have the pcp being able to drive that that's where it makes it difficult gotcha which yeah just kind of lends itself to the the whole thought of the complexity that regardless of any one entity in the value chain of healthcare that figures out how to make something better, moves to full risk, moves fully to value-based care, they still have to interact, like you said, with other people, other entities within the system that, yeah, that are incentivized differently. I don't know if we'll ever get off of that. And that's why value-based care is it's one of these, these wide terms that everyone uses. And everyone says it. And I asked the question, what EMR are they using? And if they haven't created their own EMR and they're not using their own, then they can't be practicing value-based care because the other EMRs 
are built to incentivize fee for service. I've never thought about that way. That's really interesting that that's a, that would be considered a marker of actually doing value-based care. That's really interesting. It was our main driver of building our homegrown EMR. Interesting. Well, you know, if we just kind of broaden that out here, you know, just kind of as we start to wrap up a little bit, I mean, this, this again, just give us a lot of thoughts of you know, how do we measure this and how do we recognize where we are in this move to value-based care? I'm just wondering in general, you know, this is just kind of a, you know, a thought about, about motivation, but I like to talk about the opportunities and, you know, what, what gives us hope for the future. You know, we could talk all day about what's broken and what, you know, what doesn't work in healthcare. But what about the things that give you hope for the future of, of primary care in particular? Like what makes you motivated? What keeps you going? Uh, what gives you hope there? I think we're, we're starting to see the shift into value-based care and, and into value-based care that really drives outcomes, right? So what, what gets me excited is Opening up into health, going after a different population and delivering better outcomes to more people within America. So as long as what does success look for me in 12 months are in tune brands thriving and opening up more and more centers to be able to take care of more patients. So that kind of just gets back to that factor of scale. At some point, you've got to figure it out on a smaller scale and then figure out how to bring that to more patients. I imagine that's part of where ChenMed is now and where you're headed from this point, it's exciting to see things like that on the horizon and and see the the growth that has happened even in the last couple of years, but you know, well before that, everything that had to be in place. And I, I love the, the fact that you just pointed to delivering the type of care as you figure out what that care looks like, just bringing it to more people. That's something to be recognized and celebrated as well. It's been a lot of fun just to think through all of this and, and give us some things to maybe dive into a little bit further on our, on our own. So what we like to do is give our listeners a way to connect with you as we kind of wrap up here. What's the best way for listeners to do that? Is there a somewhere to go on, on the web? Is there somewhere on social media? Uh, how do they connect with you? Yeah, uh, the Intune Health website actually just launched and it's a great place to to, to chat with us and also to uh, get to know us. It's IntuneHealth.com. Fantastic. Uh, Dr. Garrett, it's been such a pleasure. Uh, stay safe. Thanks again. And, and best of luck with everything you're doing. We're going to keep uh, keep up with everything ChenMed's got going on, but we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes today. Appreciate the time, Jared. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.